Cowboy Joe was telling his fellow cowboys back at the ranch about his first visit to a big city church. When I got there, he said, they had me park my old truck in the corral. You mean the parking lot, interrupted Charlie, a more worldly fellow. I walked up the trail to the door, the sidewalk, Charlie said. Inside the door, I was met by this dude, Joe went on. That would be the usher, Charlie explained. Well, the usher led me down the chute. You mean the aisle, Charlie said. Then, Joe said, he led me to a stall and told me to sit there, Joe continued. Pew, Charlie retorted, and Joe said, yeah, that's pretty much what that lady said when I sat down beside her. (laughs) I changed my sermon title. It was Judgment Meets Mercy, but as I read through this chapter more, or this section of the chapter of James more and more, I think it's The Usher's Dilemma. The Usher's Dilemma. So let that image guide us as we think about um, the dilemmas that we face between judgment and mercy. James reminds us that acts of favoritism do not exhibit the example of the one he calls our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. The apostle writes in his epistle, My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person comes in, which one do you notice? If you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who's poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, Well done, Danielle. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Well, most of us will admit to having favorites. A favorite aunt or a favorite colleague or sibling. The question James asks is not do we have favorites, but do we play favorites? Two people walk into the foyer through separate doors. They both arrive at the usher at the same time, and they reach for a bulletin. Now, the usher is holding bulletins in one hand and only has another, one other hand that he can hand or she can hand the, uh, the bulletin to. How does the usher choose? Which one will receive it first? The one who has the leathery face and smells like he just walked in from a cow pasture? Or the one with the enchanting smile who smells like Miss America. It's the usher's dilemma. Give Miss America the preferential treatment she expects, or give the cowboy the honor and mercy James says he deserves. Some say, Wealthy corporations who can pay good lobbyists own Congress and therefore our nation. Things haven't changed much. It appears to have been the same for James in the early church, where preference was being shown to the wealthier members. And while these wealthier members were complaining about not getting their props, their proper respect at church, 
they also are being oppressed by the Roman government. And this is what the point that James brings out to them. You are oppressing others, and yet do you not realize that there are people oppressing you? They're being double-minded, like bullies in schools today. What works and what's a rule for one person is not a rule for me. Now, maybe you haven't found that to be true in yourself, but maybe you're human. I think it's possible to get better, to become more single-minded, but rarely does it happen all at once. It's a process. Craig Brian Larson, who lives in Illinois, one day on the way to work, noticed uh, some interesting insignias on the SUV in front of him. He said that the spare tire on the back had the words Texas Longhorns on it and an orange steerhead icon. The trailer hitch said, had that same steerhead icon and the word Texas. The license plate frame was bordered with the words Longhorns on top and University of Texas at the bottom. But he's, Larson said that with all, within all this Texas Longhorn stuff, there was Abe Lincoln and the, the Illinois license plate right in the middle. And living in Illinois, Larson said the SUV's license plate showed that this driver did now too, and he assumed that the owner of the SUV had moved but not yet identified with his new home and had no plans of changing loyalties. And he notes, too, that when we move, we often go through a slow transition of loyalties to our new homes. And so it is as Christians. When we come to Christ, the kingdom of God becomes our home, but the kingdom of the world does not easily leave our hearts. And so the great and ongoing challenge of Christians is to overcome our divided loyalties and work towards fully identifying with God's kingdom. It happens step by sometimes slow step. At our Monday evening connection group a few weeks ago, Patrick Stanley mentioned having heard of uh, uh, someone who realized his own double-mindedness when he said he didn't approve of child slave labor, and yet he bought clothes and shoes produced by companies that use child slave labor. That information worked itself into um, a conversation with my Bible study buddy, George Anderson. And so he went over to the computer to see which companies use child slave labor. And he read a list that came up on one site. And three of the companies that he, he read a list of maybe 10 or 12, and three of them were produced products that our family regularly uses. And some were familiar for him too. And so after he read the list, he got up from the computer and he was walking back to his chair. He said, okay, I'm giving up X, a company that produces chocolate. I was shocked and I was impressed and I was challenged all with that one statement, that he wasn't just listening to the word and doing nothing. He was deciding to do something with his knowledge. He was putting his faith into action. Now, if, if I had been reading 
passage separately, or if George and I hadn't been having this conversation, I wouldn't have been inspired to do something. And if that connection group the previous night hadn't had that conversation, I wouldn't have brought it up in conversation with George that day. And it just reminded me how important relationships are and connections with other people are as we seek to move forward on this journey of faith. No positive steps would have happened if we hadn't been working together. Together we take those small steps toward becoming less double-minded and more faithful. James wants us to understand that even when we are oppressed in some ways, we may oppress others. And he wants us to remember the power we have in the decisions we make. We have power when we seek to transfer the knowledge that we gain into our actions. He says, James says, you do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Health Magazine reported on some research a while back that a sociologist, Donna Eder, at Indiana University had identified an important dynamic in gossip. She discovered that the initial negative statement was not the starting point for gossip. Think about it, that the critical turning point was found in the response to that initial negative statement. She's a real snob. That's not the beginning of gossip. It's when someone else agrees that the gossip fest begins. And so she found that the key is whether or not a negative statement is seconded, as she calls it. If a second is provided, gossip ensues. If not, the conversation changes direction. No one ever challenged an evaluation that had been seconded. Conversely, no matter how cutting the opening remark, an an immediate quibble from a listener could send talk into a less critical direction. One small decision. Our faith plays out as we transfer what we know to what we do. And at the same time, sometimes we just act out of our convictions, out of what we know is right, and an increase in faith and mercy follows. My husband and I watched the movie Sabrina last week. It's the old version with Humphrey Bogart and William... Uh, William, William, Holden, thank you. William Holden and Audrey Hepburn. That was the real reason Brian wanted to watch it. But in, in the story, it's, it's David and Linus Larrabee who are businessmen. They have this business in New York. They're very wealthy. They live out on Long Island on this huge estate. And Audrey Hepburn's character is Sabrina. And she has been watching the younger Larrabee boy, um, David, for years Now, Sabrina is the chauffeur's daughter, and she climbs up in the tree, and she looks over the wall of the estate at the party, and her heart just flutters as she watches David take another girl over to the tennis court, and, you know, they have their own special time together. 
and she would wish for this special time as well. Well, Sabrina goes to Paris, and she learns, uh, she, she spends two years there and learns, goes to cooking school, and she comes back as this beautiful, sophisticated young woman, so much so that David doesn't even recognize her, but he falls for her in a second. Now, in the process, David has become engaged, finally, or maybe for the third time, I think, in this story. So, so when Linus, the older brother, realizes that David is attracted to Sabrina, then he inserts himself in between them. So he is trying to sort of woo Sabrina away from liking David, but all the while he's being double-minded. He has this motive of wanting to just put something in between them for a moment long enough to get David married to the daughter of another wealthy businessman. She's the She's the chauffeur's daughter, after all. And we couldn't have the chauffeur's daughter as a member of the family. You hear the judgment? The fun thing about it is that Sabrina ends up wooing Humphrey Bogart's character, Linus. So he ends up falling for her. And I think the reason that came to mind with this passage is because when we put ourselves into a situation, whether we're trying to change a situation or not, we end up being changed. Sometimes we like it, sometimes we don't, but always it can be a very transforming experience when we insert ourselves into the relationships with other people especially if our focus is single-minded, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves, to do what James told us to do, to do what Jesus told us to do, to do what Moses told us to do in Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. The usher's dilemma is about judging the people who come in. But it's not just the usher's dilemma, it's our dilemma welcoming everyone and showing hospitality regardless of how a person looks or smells or acts. This is our calling as followers of Jesus. And when we step forward and introduce ourselves to anyone, we open ourselves both to judgment and to mercy. But the key is the mercy comes from God. Whether others judge us, That's not really our problem. It's theirs. God judges us with mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment, James tells us. And so my encouragement to you this morning, based on what James says, is this week, let mercy triumph. Let mercy triumph. May we pray. Holy God, we are grateful for who you are and what you have done for us and the way you love us regardless of what we do. Help us this week to be single-minded with our focus on you and what you taught us to love our neighbors 
as ourselves. Amen.